There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning in to Thursday's edition of the podcast. We are going to be in Psalm 28, a Psalm of David today, and we're going to be looking at the idea of what makes a Psalm a Messianic Psalm. And can I say to you, in God's eyes, this is a black and white matter. God is a God of truth. He is the truth, and he's going to reveal the truth. The problem that we have in understanding these things is that we're men. We are but men, and God has acknowledged we are but men. Our thoughts do not compare to his thoughts. Our ways do not compare to his ways. And so what God has done is God has given us the ability to think. And can I say this? Thank God he gave me a Bible in my own language. He gave me a Bible in my native tongue, the tongue which I grew up speaking, the tongue in which I dream, the tongue in which I think, the tongue in which uh, all of my thoughts are composed in the English language. And then God takes those thoughts and God can turn those thoughts to his thoughts through the word of God. And when I don't agree with God, I'm wrong. And when I agree with God, I come to repentance. That is where my mind changes toward God. And I repent of my ways and come to his ways and his way of thinking. Then I'm right in that matter. And that's not arrogance. That's not being cocky. It's just that God is right. And if we agree with God, then we're right. And if we agree with God and we're right, then hallelujah, blessed be the name of the Lord. At least I'm right about something in my life. And so the Lord is going to reveal these things through the word of God to us. Somebody had reached out to us just recently. They're relatively new to the podcast. And I had challenged our listeners to learn about a particular issue. And this person is relatively new to church, relatively new to the word of God, and uh, said to us, said, well, how do I go about learning those things? And I said, well, thank God somebody has an interest in learning these things. Very few over the years in ministry have ever reached out and said, preacher, how do I learn these things? Because they know everything. Most people in church know everything. There's nothing to be learned. And so you try to help people, but to help them, you have to have them believe the word of God. To believe the word of God, they need to study the word of God. They need to know the word of God. It needs to be sealed in their hearts. And so we'll look at that today in the psalmist as he writes in Psalm 28, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward the holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace in their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render them their desert, because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, 
and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. And so we want to look at this objectively. I want to be wise about this. I do not want to create foolish and unlearned questions. This is not pieces of a puzzle. This is the word of God. It's not trying to find what fits. It's not trying to find two things that fit together. It's believing what God said. That's why men struggle with the word of God. They just can't believe what God says. And if we'll just believe God and take God in this word, then we'll have no trouble believing. Part of my problem was coming up in a fundamental Bible-believing Baptist church, and it was a little bit easy on grace. And uh, they had professions and many professions, and then many of those people go into perdition. And uh, people began to wrestle oh, after years and say, well, are these people really saved? They don't live like saved people. And somebody else say, well, they're saved. They got saved, and the evidence of salvation. But others would say, well, they can't be living this way and be saved. And, you know, it would go back and forth. And then I got into a church that they just condemned sin and hated sin. If you were living in sin, then they would tell you you weren't saved. Yet some of those people very well may have been saved. And so you find that balance, what God said. It's not what you do, it's what you are. It's not the things that you say, it's the things that you are. It's not the action of your hands, it's what you are in your heart. And that's what God looks at. Men look at the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. And if you're living a life of sin, living in sin, naming the name of Christ, you're in trouble with God. And if you leave the name of Christ and live in sin and live in wickedness and God never deals with you, you're a bastard. You're not a son. It's what the word of God says, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so I had that background to overcome. I had that, and I'm not trying to complain. Thank God for good men he put in my life. Thank God for good pastors he put in my life. Thank God for men of God that God used to teach me, to train me, to give me understanding. But part of the ministry I'm in today is having to take those things I learned years ago and compare them line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, and say, what thus saith the Lord? What is God truly saying here? And looking at those things through God's eyes, not through man's eyes. And to do that means that I need to overcome my thinking. And I can't do that without the help of God. I must go back and look at my thinking and my way of thinking and the pattern of thought I have and say, Lord, is this truly what you want? And can I say this? You can't do that with pride. You can't do that when you're puffed up. You can't do that when your arrogance comes before God and you say, well, you know, I know this is right and you're not going to tell me otherwise. I've had people say that to me. You're not going to tell me this is wrong. I've had a man in the Baptist church told me one time. He said, you're not going to tell me my baptism is not good enough to save me. And I said, well, I'm not the one to tell you that. God is. And so you want to believe God and or you can believe uh, yourself. And he chose to believe himself. And by the way, he's found out just a couple of years later whether he was right or whether God was right. And I certainly hope he had more than just a baptismal regeneration. I certainly hope he had more than just a dunking in the water. I hope he had the witness of God in his heart. I hope he just spoke in error not having the error in his heart. Sometimes our lips can speak error, but the error, when it comes from the heart, really puts us in a place where we're in a lot of trouble with God. I've had a guy say to me, he said, my salvation is just as good as yours is. And I said, well, my salvation is not very good, but God sure is. Amen. And he didn't get that at all. He's he struggled with that. I said, well, that's okay. And it is God's salvation, not my salvation. So it's more than just the words we say. It's what God says. And I know I've said a lot without looking at the scripture. Let me go to the scripture. Under thee will I cry. 
There's one of those words we've looked at in Messianic Psalms, that cry. Who is crying? Cry is audible. Cry is loud. But we also saw David the psalmist also crying out. Even in the morning and the noon when I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. We see the cry. We also saw the cry of Calvary as Jesus Christ himself cried upon the cross of Calvary and cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So again, look at these in light of the scripture. Oh, Lord, my rock. Who's his rock? He, he is David's rock, but he's also the rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself is the rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. And so if this is Christ, I'm going to be very objective in that. I know what I believe. If this is Christ, look at it objectively. He's not gone down into the pit. And he's asking the Lord here, he says, if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down to the pit. Why? Because those in the pit don't hear from God. Those in the pit have been forsaken of God. Why? Because of their sin, because of their iniquity. They would not believe God. And so he said, if I, you become silent to me, I'll be like them. If I made sin, I'll be like them. Hear the voice of my supplications. We talked about that word supplication in the Messianic Psalms. We often see that associated with Jesus Christ, yet you and I also have supplications today. And so again, we have to discern that. Can I look at this and believe what God's saying? Can I believe that this is Christ? Do I not believe this is Christ? Is this something of my own will, or is this something I've conjured of my own thinking? When I cry unto thee, there's that great word cry again, when I lift up my hands toward the holy oracle, and there it is again, Jesus Christ lifted up his hands. We know that. Why? Because he lifted him up unto death. He was nailed to the cross of Calvary. But David also lifted up his hands. You and I also lift up our hands without wrath, holy hands, without wrath or doubting. And so again, we ponder these things and we marvel at these things. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds. And according to the wickedness of their endeavors, give them after the work of their hands, render to them their deserve. And so now he's telling the Lord, you're going to perform judgment. Perform judgment to them. Give them what they deserve. Give them what's coming to them. Give them their deserve. Give them exactly what they've accomplished, Lord. And so here's his cry unto God that he would do those things. Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. And then in verse 6, he said, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. And so when he cried unto the Lord, the Lord heard him. And so because of that, he said, Blessed be the Lord. And might I say, when we say, Blessed be the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord, or bless his holy name, a part of that is because he hears our supplications. So is this Jesus Christ? Is this David? Is this you and I? Who is speaking here? He said, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Now I want you to look here at verse 7. My heart trusted in him. He's talking about past tense. He's talking about a time which was. Can I say you and I today, my heart trusteth in him. I continually trust in him. I am onwardly trusting in him. I trusted him 25 years ago with my soul. I trusted him today with my soul. I'll trust him tomorrow with my soul. Here, the past tense is used. He said, my heart trusted in him, and I am 
help. So past tense and present tense. My heart trusted in him. I am helped today. Therefore, new sentence, colon there, my heart greatly rejoiceth. An ongoing tense. I did rejoice. I'm still rejoicing. I'll continue to rejoice. Rejoiceth, that tense that English scholars can't understand, Shakespeare readers can't understand. It takes a Bible believer to understand those ETH words. All 603 of them in the King James Bible are not just a past, present, or future tense. Many of them are an ongoing tense, or they're multiple tenses. There's some that continues. Why? He's the eternal God. And the eternal God deals with the past, present, and the future. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the eternal God. And it takes a Bible believer to believe those words ought to be in the Word of God, stand in the Word of God, and to believe what God says in the Word of God. He said, therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, ongoing, continual, and with my song will I praise him. Then he said this, the Lord is their strength. And he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Now, conclusions. I'd be interested to hear what some of you would have to say about that. I'd greatly rejoice if some of you would respond. We got a dear brother in Oklahoma that when he comes out of his tornado shelter, he responds to us. I got a dear brother up in the backwoods of Maine, when he comes out from under his moose carcass, he responds to us. I got brethren here in Pennsylvania, when they come out of the woods from uh, turkey hunting and trout fishing, they respond to us. Got a dear brethren up in Maine uh, that, 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 that don't moose hunt. They live on the coast of Maine. They respond to us. I got dear brethren in the state of New York that respond to us. and They give some feedback. I had a young lady several months ago that called me out about something I'd said in the podcast that was erroneous. And I just immediately apologized and got on the hearing the podcast and corrected what I had said. We appreciate feedback. But listen, this is not a time to be tongue-tied. This is a time that I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to think. I'd like to know. Reach out to us. And talk to us. What do you see in the psalm? Who do you see in the psalm? Is it just David? Is it Jesus Christ? Do you see yourself in this psalm? Do you see the work of Christ in this psalm? Is it a messianic psalm? And by the way, I say that not to open up the door for foolish and unlearned questions because the Lord told us to avoid them. But my friend, that you and I might be edifying one to another. And if we'll edify one another in the word of God, and we're edifying one, we'll build each other up. That's why the word encouragement is not used in the New Testament. The word exhortation is. It's to build up. It's to bring you morally and ethically by verbal challenge, by speech. It's to bring you up morally and ethically to a higher plane, to the next level, if you will. It's to lift you up where you are of excellence of character. That's what an exhortation is. He never tells us to encourage one another. He tells us to exhort one another. And so we exhort one another. Hey, this evangelist needs exhortation. He needs to be lifted up. He needs to be pulled up by the bootstraps. He needs sometimes to get out of the muck and the mire of his self-pity and his self-depression. He needs someone to challenge him with the word of God. That's why I thank God for the house of God. Thank God for the ministry of the preaching of the word of God. What 
thank God for my church and for my pastor and men of God that preach the word of God. Thank God for men that filled in on this podcast to preach the word of God. It was an exhortation to me. It picked me up and lifted me up and exalted me. It rebuked me and it reproved me. Well, thank God for those men. What does the word of God do for you? How do you see this song? Do you see the past tense entrusted in him? And I'm helped, therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth into the future tense. Do you see an eternal God? You see this is a Psalm of David. I think it's important to understand these things. In summary, I'm going to tell you what Tim McVeigh believes. I believe on the cross of Calvary when he cried. I believe when he cried and the father heard his supplications. And he said on this wise, hear the voice of my supplications. When I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. I believe it was on the cross of Calvary. He didn't want the Lord to be silent unless he'd be like those that go down into the pit. I believe we're looking at a messianic psalm. I believe we're looking at a psalm of Jesus Christ. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him. How do you know that? Because I believe, therefore have I spoken. My heart greatly trusted in him. And by the way, this is past tense. This is on the cross of Calvary. This is a one-time event when the Father and the Son are separated. That's why that word trusted is used. God, the Father, has turned his back on his Son. The Godhead has turned away from Jesus Christ on the cross. They've hid their face from the cross of Calvary. And the wrath of Almighty God is poured out upon him in the cross. And it was in that time that his heart trusted in him. His heart trusted in him. But today, of course, he's a resurrected Savior. Today, they've been reunited body, soul, and spirit with the Godhead. He's still the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and that's why his heart rejoiceth continually. It's a continual rejoicing. Why? Because that which is broken has been fixed. That's what's been crushed has been mended. That which was wounded has been made whole. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he is still the Son of God. And I believe David is speaking of Jesus Christ in this passage. When I say he's wounded and made whole, I don't mean that his wounds are healed. I mean that he's been made whole and restored as the Son of God in fellowship with the Father, in fellowship with the Word, in fellowship with the Holy Ghost. That's what I say by being made whole. I believe the psalm is messianic. How about you? Would you contact us? There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing.
prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory.